Do you have any awkward sex stories? Awkward sex? Yeah, Mr. Softy. <laughs> oh, God, I don't know that. You know, this is going to go on the internet, and I know that, God forbid, the men who I dated will see this. Are you kidding? They're probably dead. <laughs> hey, yum's the word, haven't you heard? The yum's the word, it was started by a bird. My name is Robin. And her hair has lots of curls. Actually, I blow it out a lot. Two stories, some awkward. Like wetting the bed next to your boyfriend. Pretty funny and absurd. Like your boss tickling your side boob. So welcome all you nerds. And cool people too. This is for everyone, except kids. Yum's the word. Hey everybody, welcome to Yum's the Word. I'm Robin Gelfenbein. And I'm Alex Fulton. And at the top, you heard Auntie teasing us a little bit about awkward sex stories. That sounds weird. (laughs) (laughs) Teasing us about awkward sex stories. Oh, well, she has got a really good awkward sex story that you can catch on our site at yumsthewordshow.com slash auntie. It's a video of her. She gets a little embarrassed, but it's adorable. And it's very easy to spot. It's called Let's Talk About Sex. So enjoy that. Okay, so today's episode is the second of a two-part series dedicated to my absolutely favorite theme. What is it, Alex? Mr. Softy. Awkward sex stories. That's right. That's right. Uh, Alex... Since we last spoke, do you have any new awkward any sex new stories? Awkward sex stories? <laughs> no. Do you, since we last spoke, do you have any new awkward sex stories? Could you imagine? It was only a week ago. I'd be like, actually, I've got seven. <laughs> One for each day. Um, no, I don't. I don't. But the storytellers on today's show most certainly do. These are some doozies. So we are going to get right to it. It. <laughs> All right, first up is Matthew Dix. Matthew is a 32-time Moth Story Slam champion and a four-time Grand Slam champion. His stories have been featured on the Moth Radio Hour and their weekly podcast. He's also told stories for This American Life, Ted, The Liar Show, and so many more. This is his story about his uncertainty about becoming a parent, his wife's dogged determination, and a bag of frozen peas. It's the spring of 2009, and my wife, Alicia, comes to me and says that we're having sex tonight, which, in any other circumstance, I would be very excited about. I am a huge fan of sex with my wife. I am probably the biggest fan of sex with my wife, I hope. (laughs) I really hope that's the case. Uh, Because I have married up. Like, really, I have killed it. Like, I have married a brilliant and beautiful woman, and she has married me. Like, a person whose friends describe as a necklace stump with legs for arms, which is that terrible combination of mean and true. And so the fact that she has married me and now she wants to have sex with me is incredible. Like, I feel like every time we have sex, like an angel gets its wings. It is an absolute miracle that this is happening. But I'm not happy on this occasion because tonight we're having sex to make a baby. And 
Alicia doesn't know it, but I don't really want to have a child. She doesn't know it because I have told her I want to have a child because I want her to continue to be married to me. But in my heart, I really don't. I've, I really don't want to have a kid. And it's not because I don't like kids. I'm an elementary school teacher. They are around me all the time. I really kind of like them. But I don't want kids of my own. I have been a parent before in my life, and I did a shitty job of it that time. And I'm worried that I'm going to ruin it again. When I was a boy, I was the eldest of five, and I had these parents that were sort of, they took a laissez-faire approach to parenting. They, they treated it the same way that people treat the show Law and Order. You can like dip in and watch an episode and then leave for like months and come back and it's the same thing. That's sort of what they thought about parenting. My mother was the Hubble Space Telescope of parenting. She was positioned as far away as humanly possible and faced in the opposite direction at all times. And so I spent my childhood with these people who occasionally put food in the refrigerator, but not much else. And as the eldest of five, there were these enormous chasms where parenting was supposed to happen and it didn't. And so I had to fill all of those chasms for my parents. I was the lifeguard at every swimming pool and every pond. I was the tucker inner every night before we went to bed. I was the guy who put the bologna and the ketchup on the sandwiches for lunch. My parents would go out on a Saturday night and they would come home at two in the morning and they would tell me, at the age of seven, I was told, you have to stay up until we get home and you are not allowed to go to sleep. And so I would sit on the couch under this afghan, like terrified, partially because I'm watching The Twilight Zone, which scared the shit out of me, <laughs> but also because even at that age, I understood that like, I've got the weight of the world on my shoulders and my shoulders are not big enough for the weight of this world. And so I go through my childhood as a parent that I don't want to be, and I screw it up everywhere. My brother gets run over by a car because I am not looking. My sister gets, like, trapped in a toilet because I am not paying attention. Like, I just make it terrible for my brothers and sisters. And now Alicia wants to have sex with me, and she wants to make a baby, and I feel like she's getting ready to put this stone over my shoulder. Like She's going to wrap this thing around me for the rest of my life, and it's going to drag me down like I was a boy. And even the process of baby making has been ruined now because of this terrible thing called the internet. Alicia has found this website where she can enter in all of her like mysterious lady data, and it will tell her the moment that her egg is ready to be fertilized. And it turns out a woman's egg is like an avocado. They are only ripe for like 14 minutes. And she knows which 14 minutes it is. It's like, it's tonight, we have to have sex. And so instead of this like massive carpet bombing of my wife's uterus, which I had planned to do for months, Instead, I am relegated to like this single surgical strike. Like as if the stakes were not high enough already, this is it for me. And so Alicia's in the kitchen and she's getting like my pre-flight meal ready. She's cooking us dinner. And I hear a scream. It's a terrible scream. And I come running to the kitchen and I find her on the floor and she's holding her hand and she's crying. She had a skillet in the oven and she took it out and put it on the stovetop and then forgot that it was hot and reached for it. And it's a bad burn. Like I worked in restaurants. This is a very bad burn. It's angry and red and blistering. We call the doctor to find out if she should go to the hospital. Uh, and she has no pain tolerance whatsoever. So it's like really, it's a situation. And as I'm trying to help her and I'm icing her down, there's a thought in the back of my mind. It's the first time I've ever had this thought. 
I'm not gonna have sex tonight. This is gonna be amazing. And I really, I feel like I'm gonna have a one month reprieve from becoming a parent. And it's a month, but to me, it is everything. It is a month without that stone around my neck. And the night is bad for her. We have her hand in a, in a bucket full of ice all night long, and she really suffers. It's a bad, bad burn. And so we're getting ready for bed, and I'm lying in bed. I've got a book, and I'm reading it, and I'm waiting for her to come in. And as she comes into the room, she doesn't have her hand in a bucket of ice anymore. She's gripping a bag of frozen corn, and her teeth are gritted. And I look at her, and I say, honey, what are you doing? And she says, it has to be tonight. And I say, no, it doesn't. <laughs> like, next month, the computer will tell us to have sex again, and we will have sex on that night instead. It will keep coming until eventually the thing happens. And she says, no. And I am staring at this brilliant and beautiful woman, gripping a bag of frozen vegetables, ready to have sex with me. And it's ridiculous that it has taken this long, but it is the moment that I realize... I'm not going to have to be a parent alone. Like, truly, it's the moment I look at this amazing woman who will have sex with me while holding frozen vegetables. And I realize I really have married up. Like, there will not be a night where I am hiding under an afghan, worried about taking care of my kids by myself. She is going to be with me. And it's the moment I realize how strong and how certain and how good it will feel to be with her. And so I say one more time, I say, are you sure tonight is the right night? And she says, just make it fast, which I am, per I am perfectly capable of doing. And so I proceed with my single surgical strike. And nine months later, Clara is born. I get it done. And three years later, Charlie is born. And it has been eight Eight? Yeah, she's eight. Eight <laughs> glorious years of parenting, and truly for not a single day have I ever felt alone. Thank you. I swear to you, Robin just said to me, stay up here for sex and something else. Is that what you said? Because I, I haven't been to this show, so I don't know what's going to happen. But Alicia is here, just to let you know. I try not to let that happen when she's here. Um, so I had asked the, uh, the storytellers if they had awkward sex oh. songs that they wanted to share. That is what I whispered in right. your ear. Okay. Um, so if you could tell us your awkward sex song, I would love for them to hear it. Uh, when I was 19, I, um, I was the stripper for a bachelorette party <laughs> in the crew room of a McDonald's restaurant. <laughs> for a bunch of ladies who are sort of between the ages of 40 and 60. And um, I wasn't really prepared for the situation. I didn't know what I was getting into. I had a thong on <laughs> once I got my uniform off because they had me strip out of my McDonald's uniform. And um, I didn't know any music was going to be played or anything. I just walked into the room and it was Madonna's... Um, uh, no, it was not like a virgin. Good it was point. Madonna's... Um, Lucky yeah. Star, thank you, honey. So I danced to Lucky Star while I stripped in a McDonald's crew room. Yeah. 
We're going to have to have you back to hear that whole story because doesn't that sound like a yeah, doozy? A... Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Thank you. Anyway, one more time for Matthew Dix. I wonder what it would take to recover the security footage from that McDonald's. <laughs> it would be great to have him come tell the story, but yeah. I mean, if we could just show the footage. That would... <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Well, you know, we could literally tell him, let me see that phone. all right that was matthew dix you can find matthew on instagram and facebook at matthew dix okay next up is one of the more unique and dirty ice cream cakes i made that night that fit the theme mr softy to a t um for cambry's cake for our birthday girl cambry uh, she asked for my favorite ice cream flavor uh caramel cone ice cream New York Super Fudge Chunk. Uh, you don't know I put this in there. Oh, because she was like toppings. Do whatever you want. Uh, crushed Madagascar Vanilla Cookies. Crushed Waffle Cones. Twix. And I made boobs on top of her cake. So she's got tiny little strawberries for nipples on the cake. Um, and... Um, that was what I asked the Apple Hills guy for. I was like, I need to make butts and boobs. Like, how do I do this? And you know what I did? I took a cup from Ample Hills. And I took two cups, put ice cream in it, froze it overnight. It worked until I tried to stack something on top of it. One of them got mushed. It's a little lopsided. You'll be able to tell. <laughs> um, anyway, so the cake, the names for that one that I came up with are Caramel Condom. Uh, and the one we're going with Caramel Toast Super Fudge Junk in the Chunk. Icon, hardly believe you came up with such a great... Uh, you can see a picture of that boob cake, a vagina cake, and a penis cake. Ooh, creamy. <laughs> All on our Instagram page, because we are classy. Hashtag that boob cake. <laughs> That boob, that boob. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you recognize that song. (laughs) Maybe you don't. I don't know. No, I totally do. Okay. All right. Next up is Tracy Segarra. Tracy has been featured on The Moth, Risk, and The Moth Radio Hour. She's also the host and producer of the Long Island-based storytelling series, Now You're Talking. This is her story of the unconventional and truly outrageous things she did when she was going through a midlife crisis. So it's a warm October day and I'm sitting in those Paneras eating soup and salad by myself. By myself because I'm working at this job that I really can't stand anymore. I have no friends. I am 15 years into a marriage that I'm really not sure I want to be in anymore. And my kids are growing up and they really don't need me much anymore. And it's my 50th birthday. So I'm sitting there eating my soup and my salad and I write this Facebook post. And in the post I write, oh, you know, I don't need anything special for my 50th birthday. I have everything I need. But that's all just crap. It's a lie because all I want is for my life to be meaningful and interesting and exciting. And all I feel right now is old, unhappy, and alone. And I don't know what I'm going to do about it. I really don't. Well, a few weeks later, you know, I'm in marketing, so I have to look at social media for my job. And I stumble across Reddit, which I've never been on before. And I'm looking all around the site. 
And I find this subreddit, and, and Reddit is like mainly the demographic, like young 20, 30-year-old guys is mostly the demographic. And I find this subreddit called Gone Wild, which as you may imagine from the name of it is mostly young women posting mostly nude photos of themselves for karma or points. If people like the photo, they upvote it. If they don't, they downvote it. Very democratic, right? <laughs> and I'm intrigued. Well, a few weeks later, I'm in the shower, and I know exactly what I'm going to do. I brought my camera, I brought my phone into the shower. I am going to take a photo of this 50-year-old body and post it on Reddit. So I get out of the shower, and I position the phone, and I take this, like, gauzy, sexy photo from the neck down, totally anonymous, and... You know, as I'm taking the photo, there's this trickle of water going down my neck, and this is not the only part of me that's wet, because I have not been this excited in the longest time. <laughs> and so I quickly create a Reddit account, and I come up with a name, and I title the post, This is what 50 looks like. And I wait. And I do not have to wait long because within seconds, like ding, 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 like my inbox is filled. The post is like rising to the top of the page and then to the top of Reddit itself. By the time this post exhausts its popularity, more than 250,000 people have viewed this photo. <laughs> and... Oh my God, like they love this. They love that I'm 50. They can't believe that I'm 50. Like apparently older women is, is uh, you know, a thing. I had no idea. <laughs> and, you know, I start getting all these messages and one guy writes to me, you know, very polite. He's like, may I tribute your photo? And I'm like, I'm 50 years old. I don't know what the fuck that means. So, <laughs> so I Google it because I know how to Google. And apparently what that means, if you don't know, is that he would like to print out a copy of my photo, come all over it, take a picture of that, and then send it back to me. <laughs> like, that is a thing. That is a thing. Like, insane. I, you can't make this stuff up. Another guy writes that he just wants me to say mean things to him. <laughs> and let me tell you, I am having the fucking time of my life. I start posting every day. <laughs> and you know, I know I am emotionally cheating on my husband, but he's got this real anger issue. We are not getting along, barely talking, and I just don't fucking care. This feels good, and I'm doing it. <laughs> and so I keep doing it, and like, you know, I'm posting like every day, and then I like sometimes to post before I go to work, and my fans enjoy that too, you know, in my clothes, out of my clothes. And so I post this photo one day before I go to work, and I drive the back roads to, to work. I live out in Long Island. And, um, and of course, as I'm driving to work, at every stop sign and stoplight, I'm checking the post to see how it's doing because I'm a drug... Oh, I forgot to tell you, I'm a recovering drug addict, and, man, this is better than cocaine, you know? <laughs> better, better. 
And so I'm checking, you know, to see how the post is doing because I'm an addict. I need to see, you know, my inbox filled and the post climbing to the top of the page. And at one point, I'm looking down, I'm glancing down at the post, and bam! I crash into the car in front of me. I total my car. The front end, like steam is rising up. My headlamp is on the ground. People are rushing out of their houses like to make sure that I'm okay. And I'm like, oh shit, oh shit. And thankfully, I'm okay. The guy I hit is okay. And he turns out to be like this young taxi driver. I think he was stoned. Probably the kind of guy who was looking at my photos on Reddit. <laughs> And, you know, of course, like, this is a wake-up call, right? I, I realize I have to stop doing this, right? But no, you know, I don't stop. I'm just having too much fun. But one day, a few weeks later, as I'm getting out of the shower, um, my husband happens to walk into the bathroom, and he looks at me, and then he does a double take, and then I see his face turn red, and the veins bulge in his neck, and I instantly know why. Because in order to take these photos, a certain amount of grooming needs to be done. And he and I have not been having sex, so he knows something's up. And he looks me dead in the eye, and he says, what the fuck are you doing, and who the fuck are you doing it with? And he storms out of the bathroom. And I try to come up with some kind of lie to explain this, but I, I can't. I know it. I'm caught. I have to tell him. So I wrap myself in a towel, and I go into the bedroom, and I say, listen, you know, I'm not cheating on you. Well at least not physically, but I'm doing this. And I show him Reddit, and I show him what I'm doing, and he wants it to stop. And, you know, I'm like tail between my legs, but then all of a sudden, and I feel something rising up in me, and I tell him, no. I'm not going to stop, you know. This makes me feel good, and I'm going to keep doing it. And I instantly see his face turn from anger to confusion to fear. Because I think he knows that the next step, you know, is an affair. And the next step, I'm out of there. I'm out of the marriage. And so he quickly changes his tune and he says, okay, I'm not going to ask you to stop. But I want to be part of it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> and actually, he's a very good photographer. <laughs> So he becomes my photographer. He creates a Reddit account and, you know, we start doing these photo shoots. And I remember one of the first photo shoots, um, he put all these candles around our bedroom and, you know, I'm wearing like this red Oxford shirt and not much else. And he's taking these photos and in between the photos, he's like my fluffer on a porn set. He's like kissing the inside of my neck and my legs. And, and after the photo shoot, we have the hottest sex that we've had in the longest time. And, you know, so we start talking about what's going on in our marriage and they're uncomfortable conversations and I don't like them, but I know that, you know, if there's any chance to save the marriage that it's necessary. And not long afterwards, I realized that our kids are going to camp that summer. And so I get this idea, I say, let's go to Paris. Let's go to Paris while the kids are away. And he instantly agrees. Neither of us has ever been to Europe. And so we go to Paris. And when we see the Eiffel Tower for the first time, I feel like I've walked into a movie, like the movie I always wanted to make of my life. And when we get back, you know, things get better. I eventually delete the photos. I, I, I shut down my Reddit account. And, you know, our marriage gets better and life gets better. And looking back now, you know, I'm slightly horrified 
at the public exhibition in Taiwan. <laughs> but maybe just a little bit proud, you know? Um, and obviously, I was going through a midlife crisis. That's what was going on. And you know, some people, they buy a sports car, they adopt a pet. Me, I became an internet sex goddess. <laughs> that was Tracy Segura. You can find Tracy on Instagram and Twitter at news, the letter U, the letter C, N-U-S-E. Alex, you get total credit for bringing that story to my attention. Well done. I mean, I got to share the credit, right? Because I uh, late night happened to be in the UCB East area mm-hmm. when Jeff Zimmerman was doing his show. Mm-hmm. And I stumbled in with some friends mm-hmm. and saw her do that story for the first time. And it was hilarious. Yeah, that is a doozy of a story if I've That's ever great. heard one. That takes serious balls. Even if you don't have balls, that took major balls. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we are still on hiatus from the live show, but it's looking like we will be back in April and we are planning something really big. So be sure to sign up for our mailing list at yumsthewordshow.com slash guest list so you can be one of the very first to hear all about it. Also, we want to thank you so much for listening and thank Colleen Hinsley for her awesome review about the podcast. I don't know if you saw this one, Alex, but she writes... I just discovered this podcast, and it's wonderful. The host mixes stories told live with audio clips of her family and friends, and there always seems to be snacks. What's not to love? I mean, we're not providing snacks on the podcast, but we we do talk about food a lot. (laughs) And I definitely provide food uh, at the show. Is anyone providing snacks on their podcast? Maybe to their guests. Oh, true. That's probably it. And we did that when Kathy Curtin was on. Well, to be fair, you and I eat snacks. Oh, of course. I mean, we've just like plowed through half a box of wheat. (laughs) Hashtag humble brag. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you, Colleen, for that great review. And if you have any love for the podcast that you want to throw our way or snacks, you know, Alex and I are open. We We like salty stuff. We will take the snacks. That's right. We will not turn you down. Um, What did you say? I said, we'll take the snacks. But I was laughing because you said we like salty stuff. And I that thought that might be what to do. All right. I was like, I think that just to go with the theme of today's episode. Awkward sex. Yeah. Keeping it classy. Uh, so if you want to throw some love our way, please leave us a rating and review <laughs> on iTunes. We love you forever. And you'd be doing a mitzvah by helping others learn all about it. A mitzvah. A mitzvah. Also, have you ever wanted to tell your own story? Then check out our Storytelling Fun 01 workshops. They are totally fun, and I am 100% biased. Um, You will learn how to tell stories that are great for dates, interviews, presentations, and so much more. So if you or someone you know is interested, you can learn all about it on our site at yumswordshow.com slash workshops. Alex. Robin. Do you have any stories that you want to share on stage? Stories that I'd like to share on stage. I'm sure I could probably come up with one. Mm-hmm. I think you'd be a good storyteller. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I hope you have a good week, Alex. I hope you have a good week, Robin. Thank you so much. I uh, This whole you know 2018 crank out an episode every week thing is really doing it for me. Yeah? It's, it's pretty, fun. It's nice. Yeah. It's, and plus, I get to see Alex on a regular basis. We went a long stretch where we were... Not together. Right. <laughs> and then we're reunited. 
That's Katie, his wife. Katie, that came out the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> we are reunited, and it feels really nice. It feels great. Doesn't feel so good, but, but it's appropriately good. <laughs> she knows what you mean. Okay, good. It, she, it's funny because like she she jokes that she's really thankful that uh, I have friends that will date me. M- mainly, she, st- she means James, who does the music, you know, the extra music for the yeah. show. Uh-huh. Uh, she always says, "I'm thankful that James will date you during the week because you would just wear me out." She likes to go home, relax, and get comfortable, and mm. put on some ABC show. Oh, and you're like. Let's go rage. Party! Yeah, that's right. Dragging my ass in at 2 in the morning. Wow. Alex, stop bragging. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad to be your date once a week on Tuesday nights. There it is. Yeah. All right. The stories you just heard were recorded live at Le Poisson Rouge in New York City. The podcast is produced by me, Robin Gelfenbein. And me, Alex Fulton. James Beer wrote our new music, and the theme song is by Mark Radcliffe. Special thanks to Megan Deneen, Michael Cedar, Danny Ortiz, Carly Patron, Jen Waring, Zach Schusterman, Katie Riley, and of course, Auntie. I'm Robin Gelfenbein. I'm Alex Fulton. Thanks for listening. Hope you get a piece. And, and until, until next time. time. Hashtag that boob cake. <laughs> <laughs> Yum's the word.